this is that other sports show. Let's go. Are you ready? And you can go ahead and you can keep this in the fucking podcast, by the way. Let's just start here. Okay. Um, I've, as you know, I have had a, an incredibly stressful last few weeks. Uh, all of the shit that we have kept off the podcast, of course. Of course. Um, here's what I got fucking going on uh, as my new stress reliever. Uh, I started fucking coloring. Nice. Uh, I grabbed myself some Dollar Tree coloring books, and I've just been fucking going at it. And that shit takes my mind off of shit. I can't really put my finger on it other than my I'm compelled to try and do a good job. Like, I'm trying to stay in the lines, and I'm trying to, like, blend colors. I've never fucking colored ever. I never colored with any of my kids and then uh, the other day I was doing homework with my two-year-old because my daycare sends homework home for my fucking two-year-old. Damn. Yeah, I, that's, I pay for this daycare, by the way. I think we've had this discussion <laughs> before. So not only am I paying for this daycare, but then, I got, then when I get home from a long-ass day of work, I have to do homework with my two-year-old. So um, I'm coloring because that's what the fucking two-year-old does. He colors like shapes and shit. And uh, I'm like, this is kind of cool. This is taking my mind off of shit. And uh, I was like, you know what? I'm going to grab some fucking coloring books from Dollar Tree. Because I got Dollar Tree right by my job. And uh, I have colored three days now. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I'm, I'm fucking literally coloring at my desk at my job. I have one of the guys even asked me. He's like, are you doing your kid's homework? I'm like, nope. I'm coloring because it takes my mind off of shit. And uh, he's like, yeah, you're going through a lot of shit. Color away. So here I am. At my desk, I got some Toy Story. I've been coloring fucking Woody. I've been coloring Buzz. I got SpongeBob. I've been coloring fucking SpongeBob. Today, I colored uh, SpongeBob sitting in a chair with a, a, a like a lemonade. <laughs> no bullshit. Hey, you know what, man? Uh, I I can't remember where, but I I did uh, come across something like a therapist. We'll try different things for patients to, you know, cure or at least calm down mm-hmm. anxiety. I've, depression, I've heard about right? this. And, and, all that and I mean, I've seen stuff as crazy as like some people uh, say you have uh, an anger issue or you, you know, kind of lash out and stuff because of whatever you're going through. Um, I remember seeing a therapist uh, prescribe to a person. Uh, Legos, and they mm. they said, "Hey, build Legos, okay." And then when you're mad, beat the shit out of the Legos because you can you can always rebuild a Lego wall, but you can't uh, you know necessarily repair a hole in your wall. That's so good. whatever it may be, you know, like in coloring, just you know what for whatever reason, it's become your soothing technique, and that's it awesome. has. It takes my mind off of shit. It just wherever. Sometimes uh, I think I don't know if we've had this discussion. I'm a big I subscribe to the front burner back burner theory in life. 
where you got four burners and some shit's going to take your two front burners and some shit's got to take your two back burners. And your life is a constant juggle of what, what part of your life is on the front burner, what part is on the back when you're moving everything around, because ultimately you want your meals to be perfect when you're cooking. Right. Yeah. So I'm a front burner, back burner guy. Um, I, I just, I'm telling you, I just started doing this shit. It's been three days and it, works because it takes my mind off of shit and so uh having just been having like i think i said been having not the best times and uh not the best month and so i know we're in a new month now you know so we always march ahead but uh fucking coloring and that shit's working so if you're looking for techniques methods ways to get your mind off of shit because you're just not having a bad day, but you're also not trying to spend a lot of money, like $75 on a therapist. <laughs> uh, just go to fucking Dollar Tree. Grab some coloring books. Gives a fuck if someone's going to judge you. Fuck them. They don't care about you if they are. And uh, just start coloring. Color fucking SpongeBob sitting in a chair, drinking a lemonade. It's fucking life-changing, I promise you. It's, it's all about uh, taking your mind off the situation or situations that you're going through at the time. I was just talking to a friend today. He was telling me about how, you know, his his uh, anxiety and depression has been pretty strong. Uh, I, I, he had a loss of a family member not too long ago. Mm. This this guy, you know, um, I, he, he him and I go kind of way back. And uh, he's always kind of been one to uh, easily break mentally. And I love the guy. He's a great guy. He would do anything for you. But when he gets into these moods, it's just you can't bring him out. Yeah. It's just like, uh, you know, you can be the most loyal friend in the world and he's just going to sit in his room in a, in a dark room and just stay there for two or three days before he you know, yeah. all of a sudden pops back up. And uh, I was telling the same thing. I said, hey, man, you know what you got to do is you got to find a little hobby. Uh, I didn't think of coloring, but that's actually a great idea. I'm telling him but, they have adult they have adult coloring books too. But yeah, uh, I don't want a com- I don't I don't want a complex coloring book. I don't that that uh, I want simple shit. I want literally the, just the simplest shit because I am not an artist. But as I'm coloring, I start thinking, man, I should I should have learned how to draw because I could have been a badass tattoo artist. I feel like, if anything else, they could just keep the conversation. It's kind of like cutting hair, right? Maybe 50% of barbering isn't how good you are as a barber, but just the conversation you keep, right? Just about the bullshitting, the therapy part of it. Yeah. So maybe just I, maybe I could be a bad tattoo artist, but I could just uh, tell jokes and, and uh, you know, just bullshit my way into $500 an hour type of thing. Well, hey, just to, to, to go in a different direction, um, it's time. I, I was having this conversation with uh, somebody on Twitter about they, they had mentioned how they have this great relationship with their tattoo artist. Oh, I remember and, this. And I was saying, like, man, I, I'm jealous of that because I, you know, I've had several tattooists, you know, leave their mark on my body. And uh, some of them are, are talkers, but the ones I enjoy the most actually are the ones that just sit there and do the work. That's crazy. And I've, I had due to that conversation, it was you and a couple of other people that were like, you know, I like it when my tattoo artist is talking to me and we're just kind of shooting the breeze and, and just talking shit and just it's therapeutic. It, it is, I guess in a way it can be very therapeutic. And I like how you said, because you, maybe you could have been a decent tattoo guy, but just really your business would have been, I'm, I can do tattoos. All right. 
but you're going to come to my shop and you're going to enjoy yourself so much. That's what you're, you're going to leave in a better headspace. Your tattoo may not be great, but your headspace is going to be fantastic. It's all about the headspace, baby. So let me uh, let me wrap here and, and we will seamlessly transition. By the way, I have the, the UFC up cool. um, and I guess we're doing UFC and then hoops and then little NFL. Just a little bit of draft. Yeah, just a little bit of NFL skis. Um, so the tattoo artist thing is interesting to me. I have had four tattoo artists. One of them was a one-timer. It was the first tattoo I ever got when I was a kid. I don't even think I was, I think it was 16. Uh, it was one of my buddy's moms. Uh, second tattoo artist was a guy that did a lot of my tattoos. He did my right arm, no, I'm sorry, my left arm, uh, and then two pieces on my leg. Um, super cool, really um, down to earth guy, uh, but struggled like a motherfucker. I might have told the story before. Um, th- this is again fucking twenty years ago. Uh, guy, the tattoo uh, parlor was not far from my house, and in between um, his tattoo parlor and his house was my house. So I'd see him walking home all the fucking time, and uh, caught him walking home one night. He came into my house. We started fucking having fun, partaking in a bunch of shit. And uh, I went, here's my idea idea for a tattoo. I want to do a fucking, like, an ocean on my leg. I want to do, like, a water scene on my leg. I want, And he's like, I love that idea. And he just started drawing shit on my leg. We drew a whole fucking bunch of shit on my leg. Went to his tattoo shop the next day. Busted out one piece of it. Um, went the following week. Busted another piece of it. So I did a fish and I did a squid. And then I missed him. He missed me. And then he stabbed his girlfriend in the face with a screwdriver. Holy shit. He was not uh, American. He was uh, he was Mexican. Uh, from Mexico. The, you know, Mexican descent, if you will. He was deported. And the last I heard, he had a tattoo shop in Rosarita, which is not too far from the border. And he had married a girl that it would have been illegal if he had married her in the States. And this guy's older than me. Uh, my third tattoo artist was the dude that did my finger uh, cover up, right? Got, uh, got my fucking uh, baby's mom who I thought I was going to marry on my finger. I needed a cover up. Literally a bulldog that just got out of jail. That was a $20 and a 12 pack type of tattoo guy. Uh, and that is the, if you ever look at me at uh, my hand, I have a bomb on my hand. That's what he did. It's a cover up bomb. Uh, last tattoo artist, Jess. And this is the final, uh, my wife's cousin, who is like a brother to her. He's done all majority of the work that you see on me now. So he did my right side arm, which is the Wu-Tang logo, which is the dragon. Um, and then he finished my leg piece. This guy does not fucking talk, Jess. I mean, he does not talk. And he's family. You think we would talk about some family shit? No, this guy doesn't talk. I've probably spent, I don't know, 20 hours with this dude. I probably got about an hour worth of conversation out of him in those 20 hours. No, I I, I get it. Um, I've had several tattoo artists, like I said. Um, I feel, honestly, it's weird. Like the, the I feel like the ones that talk the most annoy me the most. And I'm more the like, hey, look, man, uh, the only thing I want to talk about is here's the design I want. You, <laughs> here's my money. You tell me, ah, I like it okay, but hey, maybe we can switch this up. And then yep. I say yes or no. And then we move forward. And then we have an exchange of monies. And then I hear the bzzz, 
and then boom, next thing you know, I'm inked up, swollen, and bleeding all over the place because I'm a bleeder. I hate that. You're sitting there, send me out your shop, and you're proud of the work you did, and I'm proud of the work that you did, and we're we're both happy. What's the what's the um what's the threshold of conversation that you're gonna have with a tattoo guy if he's if he's chopped it up with you? Will you just go with some basic shit? It's got to be basic. It's got to be like a um, a lot of people ask me like what I do, and I get that. I think that's a pretty common thing to ask oh, a tattooist. But that's that's difficult for me because I never know if these tattooists. I have a cousin that's fucking job. sitting there that you've been fucking slapping around because and he doesn't know how to act in the joint. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just tough. It's tough to answer anybody that question uh, because most people, like, if I told you I'm a cop, if I was like, hey, I'm a police officer, you'd be like, oh, I know what a police officer does. Uh, I, you know, you drive around in the cars, flash the berries, you know, pull people <laughs> over, whatever. They be. Flash the berries. <clears throat> If I tell you that I I do what I do, then what happens is people are confused. Then they ask a bunch of more questions. They ask like, well, what is that? Is that what this is? And then I have to say no. And then I have to explain it's actually this is what I do. And then it com- it, it can become, again, irritating and annoying because I would rather not talk about what I do. Yeah. Rather talk about like you know sports. like sports or whatever. I had this one guy. Chicks, one. man. So uh, this this guy, um, he's done about half of my work, a little under half, and so that's a lot of time under his under his needle. You got a lot of fucking ink too. So yeah, it's a lot of hours. Uh, and so I've had a lot of hours under this guy's needle, and a lot of time trying to swerve conversations. Or find ways to properly be like, hey, man, I don't want to talk anymore. Ah, shit. And, and Do you just shut it, up? Do you just shut up? Or you go like one-word answers? Like one to two-word answers. But oh, this shit. guy in particular happens to be a really big-time talker. And he started talking to me about, like, all the bad shit that he used to do when he was younger. Bad oh, food. God. And then, and then, um, of course, you know, he's asking like what I do. And then he's like, oh man, I tattoo a bunch of you guys. And, and, uh, then he, um, that does sound annoying now. Fuck. It becomes annoying. And then, uh, um, well, oh, he was talking in particular about, uh, him and his wife and he would always talk about how great of a relationship they have. Well, one, one conversation, uh, he ends up talking to me about, um, he was like, oh, yeah, me and my wife, man, we're, we're doing so well. We have a secret to our marriage. Oh, Jesus. And so I'm stupid enough to ask. Well, of course. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you know, every once in a while I got to try. I've been working on my relationships, the ups and downs. What is the secret? What's guy to guy. And he tells me, oh, my secret is we have an open marriage. Oh. So I can, I can fuck whoever I want. She can fuck whoever she wants. Except we just don't talk to each other about the other people. We just make sure that we're home by dinner. And then I'm like really kind of disgusted now. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's weird. It, and see that he's opened the forbidden door and we got our wrestling reference in about 15 minutes in, but he's, he's opened the forbidden door. Once you open the forbidden door, it's either going to be a really good thing or it's going to make everything afterwards awkward. Once you open the forbidden door, you can't close it. You can't close it. You cannot. There's no, you know what? There's no I cannot back. go back to his shop and not oh, have a conversation 
not be on my mind and be all weirded out about him and the fact that in the fact that in the fact that he has talked to my significant other because he taught he uh tattooed he's he uh tattoos her as well yeah and so now it's kind of like do you talk to her about this kind of stuff like (laughs) talk to everybody about this kind of stuff like what is the deal here why are you talking to me about this now i don't want to know about what you and your wife are doing yeah like fuck you're right now you know what i'm glad we've had this conversation because this is a completely different perspective and now that i have this perspective i'm grateful that my guy doesn't talk to me out outside of fucking anything like he really you're, you're and he's like yeah i have an open relationship i'm fucking pecker to pecker sometimes i'm fucking pecker to all sometimes i'm all the whole and you're like yeah, you know, I did 17 mock drafts for the Bills the last <laughs> month. I've got the fucking safety from LSU projected one. <laughs> so um, oh, it, it, like I said, like you said, once you open the forbidden door, it's, you no can't go it. And you better hope that once it's open, it's really fucking good on the other side. If it's not really fucking good, it's going to basically be really fucking bad. That's what the forbidden door is all about. He's like, I can go pecker to pecker as long as I'm home before the lasagna's out of the fucking oven. <laughs> and you're like, and you're like, so the Blazers are they going to trade Dame? Trade Dame, or what are you thinking? Should they? I mean, they already lost CJ basketball. <laughs> you ever tra- you ever do you ever tattoo one of the Trailblazers? Yeah. No, I know it's it, it gets weird, man. It gets weird. Uh, I don't know, but I, but uh, I had the, my most favorite tattoo artist. He's actually did my most favorite piece that I have right now. Um, I had to drive three hours away to get to him. He opened up his shop two hours early, so it could just be him and I. To that's start. badass. I think you posted this. I think you posted this. Super cool guy, and really artistic. Uh, almost too like uh, just super into his art, into his yeah. work so much that he didn't talk. He was just, hey, I'm going to get down to business. He was so professional and so quiet about things. We barely spoke words, and I was in his chair for a total of eight hours. Jesus. So eight hours of very minimal conversation. How many breaks in an eight-hour tattoo are you taking? Three. Two, three. Uh, I think we took three. He yeah. he had to take a he he took a couple of blunt breaks. Yeah, and then uh, we took a lunch break. So, fucking hands falling apart. Did you pay for lunch? No, no. Wow. wow. He that... said he said, "Hey man, there's some good stuff across the street." And then uh, I went across the street and had some food. And he you came back and he had his own food. You... I I believe his woman at the time. Uh, what happened is his woman brought him some sort of. Okay. Sushi burrito. All right. God, that sounds disgusting. So he had food. So he had food. I was ready to judge you like a motherfucker <laughs> for not buying your tattoo artist lunch. This guy just spent four hours in the fucking in the chair. You can't buy him a fu- you can't buy him a regular burrito, let alone a fucking sushi burrito. Good lord, Jess. I never even heard of sushi burritos until that day. So that's all right. Then trust me, they're disgusting. Fuck <laughs> we can people stop fucking fusing food sometimes? Sushi can be sushi and a fucking burrito can be a burrito. You don't have to keep merging foods to find out everything's good. You don't have to put macaroni and cheese on top of a fucking che- a cheeseburger. <laughs> it, it, nah, you know what I like? I just want cheeseburger or I just want really good fucking macaroni and cheese. I don't need them on top of the other. This shit, it, it don't do nothing for me. Fuck me. Stop fusing shit. I'm in. K, K, K underscore Rollins. 
<laughs> Jay doesn't do that. Jay is yeah. traditional. He Jay, don't fuck around like that. That was a cooking, so that's hey, good. I've, I swear at some point we're going to talk uh, UFC. And we're not even going to do a countdown at this point. Just we just There's no pull, re- pull the card up, and I'm just going to start talking about fights here in a second. Um, are you a coleslaw guy? Uh, I do like coleslaw, actually. Yeah. I'm not. I fucking hate it. Che is a coleslaw guy. I think that uh, – I, I just I – don't, I don't like fucking coleslaw. I, don't, I know people like, like homemade coleslaw. I just – it's fucking gross. It's like uh, a wet – it's like a really wet salad. Okay, so a food question for you is: Do you like uh, relish at all? And if no. so, like sweet or dill? Don't fuck with relish at all. Don't fuck with relish. Relish is gross. I'm just not a relish guy. I never have fucking been. I got I, my kids will eat it. My kids fucking love it. They got a, I got relish here. I just I don't fucking eat it. I never At my work, uh, we're having a, an appreciation week for all the staff. Right? It's like statewide. There you go. And so our man start getting for our, shit. Our management team—they're doing these raffles and shit, and people are winning stuff. I, matter of fact, I won an igloo cooler. Nice, pretty, pretty cool. Uh, throw some bangs in that bitch. Throw some bangs in that bitch and just take it to work. Just full of bangs, just all day. <laughs> uh, and uh, the night before last, or so, or last night, excuse me, last night was my Super Friday. I'm now on my vacation. Nice. Sure that all the listeners really wanted to know that, but there it is. Uh, last night. 20 minutes. We've done 20 minutes of just personal shit. I'm sure the listeners are going to laugh. If we have any listeners left after this. <laughs> uh, so last night was uh, barbecue. They start with our graveyard shift and then go to day shift and then, sw- and then our swings. So everybody in those three realms gets barbecue. The managers barbecue it up, and they were talking about doing. They were bringing in hot dogs, and that was one of the questions: was what goes with a hot dog? Mm-hmm. I have a guy who works with me. He's from fucking New York. He's like the epitome of a New Yorker, of course. living in, in fucking rural Oregon of all places. <clears throat> Great guy, uh, and he was like, "Hey, you know," he was like, "Hey." He's like, what do you got on the hot dogs? And uh, the guy's like, oh, I got the hot dogs. I barbecued them. I, you know, put the sauce or whatever in them. And and uh, he was like, do you have a uh, um, sauerkraut? He's like, do you got sauerkraut? Oh, it's disgusting. Sauerkraut. It's Wait, it's super disgusting. It's even worse. Which is the lead into this conversation or, or uh, possibly an exit to this conversation. No relish. <laughs> Coleslaw for me is okay, but it can't be too sweet. To the New York guy, sauerkraut, too sweet, too sweet me, baby. They, hey, listen, we got another wrestling reference in there with the too sweet me. Um, so, what did fucking New York? Uh, what did New York Brian eat? Did he get a fucking? He wanted. Movie? He wanted. Uh, he wanted a foot long, which is what apparently that's what hot dogs are called back east. They're just called foot. Of course. Foot. Of course. Uh, so he wanted a foot long with sauerkraut, and then somebody, uh, one of our managers, was like, "Well, would you like us to bring in some mayonnaise?" Because no, no one brought mayonnaise. And he became unglued. He was like, who eats mayonnaise with their hot dog? Huh? He's right. He's right. Nobody eats mayonnaise with hot dogs. I think New Yorkers are allowed to get, by law, it's legal. And he, they can be in any of the 50 states. They can even be in Puerto Rico or Guam. And they're allowed to fucking hoot and holler and shout about someone fucking up a good hot dog. <laughs> a bad hot dog, like a bar ass or a fucking Walmart hot piece of hot dog. Okay, whatever. Nobody cares. But yeah, a foot long? You can't ruin that. Was it was hilarious. So here is the, here's the rule of... Crowd, gotta have mustard, apparently, but no man. Here, here's the rule of hot dogs. This is very simple. It's very easy. If you are under 
seven years old, it's okay to put ketchup on a hot dog. If you're under seven years old, it's okay to put mayonnaise on a hot dog. If you are over seven years old, you should not be putting that shit on a hot dog. The only thing I put on my foot long, I will not eat a bullshit hot dog. I will not eat a bar ass. I will not eat a fucking wiener. It needs to be a beef hot dog. I love Nathan's. I'll eat one of those fucking national Hebrew fuckers too. But a good, man, a good Nathan's on a fucking sunny day. You got to be kidding me. Spicy mustard one. Boar's Head makes an incredible spicy mustard. I believe uh, Boar's Head is a national brand. Um, incredible mustard. You can get it inside a deli. Um, after that, I'll go with a bullshit French mustard. I don't give, I'll go with that fucking 59 cent French mustard. That shit hits. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's all you fucking really need is a good mustard dog. I go to Costco. I get that fucking foot long. I'm just putting that spicy mustard on it. That's fucking it. That's all you need. It's real simple. I don't need sauerkraut. I don't need relish. If you want to put that stuff on your hot dog, that's cool. See if I care. Straight up, give me fucking spicy mustard one, regular mustard two, and I'm good. No, I'm a, I'm in agreement with you again. I, I love this hot dog take, man. I love it because uh, I, I I also can't go into somebody's house when they're like, hey, man, I'm going to barbecue. And then they have some chicken legs, and then they have like the barest fucking shitty. I used to get pig snout hot dog. I want the I want the all beef hot dog. Dude. Uh, Thins is also one of my go tos. I will do the uh, uh, the the Na- the Hebrew National. I yeah, it's good kosher dog. It's, it's good, good kosher good dog. Kosher dog. Uh, there's a couple other odd brands that make. Uh, there might be a dog. local brand. We have we have Farmer John's. It's a local brand. Everyone has a local fucking brand. That's cool. Support local, and we're not fucking hating on that. But dude, you can go to pretty much any grocery store now. Or Walmart, and you can get a fucking pack of Nathan's. I think they're like six bucks now because they went up, maybe seven. Get you a fuck. You can even get a piece of shit cheap bun. I don't even need a fancy bun. You can get the cheapest buns in the fucking aisle. Fine with me. I'm just gonna hit that bitch. I'm gonna hit that bitch with a good amount of mustard because I need it a little wet, and I'm gonna fucking chow down. That's the key to might have two. If I'm feeling real, if I'm feeling like I need two, what do they call it, glizzies? I might go fucking double glizzy on this bitch. (laughs) Shout out at Mikhail Young, our boy at Mikhail Young, who keeps Mikhail Young is the best account on Twitter that is protected, and it angers me that he uh, that he will not unprotect his tweets. I'm assuming it's a job related thing. Um, (laughs) I shouted out at Josh Thrash Metal last week, and I am making it a point this week. To shout out at Mikhail, I think it's underscore young. If not, I'm sorry. I'll 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 retweet it. That's that's my dog. Shout out Mikhail. Um, all right, uh, fight time, Jess. Yeah. Hey, we're got- just talking about hot dogs. There ain't nothing better to have at a fight or uh, some Dude. other sporting event than a motherfucking hot dog. Dude, so you're fuck. You are. If you're watching a fight, you got a hot dog in your hand. You got a fucking beer or a soda or however you fucking get down in your other hand. You're living the American dream. You fucking have made it. It don't get no better than that. Enjoy it. Fucking soak it up. Uh, do you care about any of these prelims, Jess? Uh, Tracy Cortez versus Melissa Gatto. You want to go there? Who you got? Uh, I, 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 I got to kind of push uh, Cortez. She's been around a little bit longer. Slight favorite. I like her style. I, I, I would like to see uh, if she, if in this fight, I would like to see her push a little harder. A little bit more technique, especially with her stand-up. But hey, listen, bro. Oh, it's um, it's T City, T Sizzle. Yes, T Sizzle. Took me a second, but Brian Ortega. That guy's a beast. 
Brian Ortega, Beast. Maybe he has been able to help her with her stand up. Not that her stand up is bad. It just uh, it's uh, you can tie you can tighten it up. Training with Sizzle. You can always you can always tighten it up. And if you're gonna if you're gonna be engaged to T Sizzle, you might as well fucking pick up a few pointers. Oh, yeah. But I got Cortez away by decision. Uh, I just want to say this: uh, Arion Canelasi is fighting Lupi Godinez. Lupi Godinez is a Mexican girl. I've never met a Mexican girl named Lupi who could not fight. I'm not picking a winner here. I'm just saying I've never met a Mexican girl named Lupi who could not fight. I think they. I think every one of them. It's just like a bloodline thing. If your first name's Loopy, you're gonna fight. Sorry. Also, for MMA, uh, Horns MMA team, Horns MMA. Yo, Loopy, she's got some stuff, man. So really, yeah. She's- Why am I just finding this out? Can you shoot me? A, can you can you hit the? Can you send me a little something on Twitter? So I know we're still on the same page. I'll have to retweet a little something. Uh, so the. Impressive. She's regular. Wait, she's an impressive fighter. Uh, got? record. Uh, Ariana. Carnalosi, uh, also a very impressive record. Most of it uh, over uh, not here in the States, um, which sometimes I'm sorry, but if 10 of your 14 wins came from some backyard garage in Brazil, I'm not yeah, saying that's a spot, but yeah, I'm saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, if it's not here in the States and it's not top notch competition, you know, your 14 2 record doesn't seem as impressive to me. Lupi uh, Godinez has uh, had a few impressive wins, and I think that she's going to build off of that. Uh, I don't see a knockout, no submission. I think it'll go the distance. Um, but both these girls are very tough. But I, I'm I'm picking Lupi. Let's try and fire through the prelims here. Uh, Francisco Trinaldo taking on Danny Ninja Roberts. Uh, I kind of fucking love this fight. Uh, Dude, this is a fucking, uh, this is a pick like you wouldn't believe. And a lot of these fights are pick on the, on the prelims. Who you got? Uh, I got, I got Trinaldo, man. I, I, I think Trinaldo's a dog, man. I've seen plenty of his fights. He knows how to scrap, but he gasses. Yeah, he will gas, but I don't expect this fight to go longer than two rounds anyway. I'm, I'm going to say Trinaldo TKO the second round. Hey, it's going to be either Trinaldo knocks him out within the first seven or eight minutes or he gasses and Roberts just finishes him. Uh, I'm going to go opposite here. I'm going to go Roberts uh, finishes him late because Trinaldo just runs out of gas. But would not be surprised. This is a pick, in my opinion. Uh, another fight that I love. I have just seen a bunch of fights that I love here. Uh, Blagoy Anoff. He's a fucking stud. Uh, fighting Marcos Rogerio de Lima. He's he's pretty weathered. I didn't realize he had eight losses already. Um Marcos is a slight favorite. Who you got? I've got Ivanov. Ivanov was yep. uh, he. So he, I believe he was a Bellator heavyweight champ for a minute. Mm-hmm. He went to PFL, won their heavyweight championship, and then he eventually got picked up by the UFC, in which he came to a heavyweight division that still had Stipe and DC and some of these big powerhouse heavyweights. Uh, he wasn't able to fully stand the weather of that division at that time. That's where some of those losses came. But the guy's 18 and four. He's got a spectacular record as far as opponents. Uh, like I said, he's, he's a, a two uh, a promotion champion. Uh, he's been through everything. Uh, the guy got stabbed or shot or something like Jesus. that. 
like back when he was like in the Czechoslovakian army or some shit like that. It was real. Like, there's, there's a story about it. Go read it on ESPN. Uh, the guy's been through everything. He's a, just a tough SOB. I've got Ivanov in this fight. Yeah, I think he's had a weird last two years. Um, he had the loss, and it was a split decision uh, to the Black Beast. Uh, he had a loss, which is another split decision to Sakai. And that, those were basically in 2009, end of 2019, middle of 2020. Didn't fight at all last year, and here we are in 2022. Um, I'm assuming that, again, we talk about this every week. UFC is looking to make stars. This is how you do it. I'm going uh, an off knockout here. Uh, first round. I'll go knockout first round. I don't want to say Marcos is brought in to do the job, but it kind of feels like it. <laughs> I think it's going to be – it's just another one of those fights that we talk about where it's just two big hosses going in there. Yeah. They got to – they have – you got to build Ivanov has the the better skill set and is more technically sound. Uh, I'm going to shoot through this one quickly. Brandon Royval, the raw dog, is back. I'm a raw dog guy. Slightly bigger favorite here. Um, he's a minus two sixty. He's fighting Matt Schnell. Um, who you got? I think this should be a pretty good fight overall. I think it'll end up being a decision. <laughs> I'm going uh, Royval. I read that wrong. Actually, he's the he's the underdog, huh? If he's the minus, uh, Massey Chase Chiasson, Norma Dumont. I feel like I've seen Macy fight before. I said Massey, and it's Macy. God, what's wrong with me? That bang. Um, I know I've seen Macy fight before. I can recognize her from that hair and those tattoos. Um, she's a plus one eighty here against Norma. Norma seven and one might be one of those sneaky Brazilian records that Jesse was talking about here. Who you got? Uh, I like Macy Chase on. I think she's uh she's weathered a few storms herself as far as opponents. She's had some tough opponents, um, but she's managed to come out with an eight and two record. Uh, don't know much about Norma Dumont, uh, but again, I'm I'm kind of guessing that you know seven and two. Haven't really heard from her as far as UFC is concerned. So probably seven and two, mostly from other uh, organizations, possibly out of country organizations. I'm going with Macy. I think Macy's been in the UFC long. <laughs> Take this Randy Brown, Chaos Williams, Chaos Williams, and another fighter with a cool name. Uh, Chaos is a minus 120 here. Randy Brown is a plus 100. So we are looking at another pick 'em fight. Uh, who you got, Jess? Randy Brown's about to get his chin jaw jacked. Mm. Chaos, Chaos Williams. So Chaos starts out like really, really fast. And he's not really had to go into deep waters, not very often. Uh, he's only got to 15 fights. He's got two losses. But his wins is like he's going to rip your head off yep. in the first three minutes. I think Randy Brown is probably a durable guy. I bet you he's a dude. You know, back it looks like he's from Jamaica. He's representing Jamaica. He'd go back. He'd probably have a, have a beer with you or something, make you a drink, kind of sit back and shoot the breeze. But against Chaos Williams – it's a whole different story, and uh, Chaos will win this fight within the first, I'm going to say, three minutes. Big knockout. Yeah, Randy Brown's got to do Bull Matador here. I don't know if he can. Um, I'm going to go Chaos via knockout here. He catches him at some point in the first round. He's got a lot of pop in those fucking gloves. If Randy Brown can weather the storm, if he can avoid that power, uh, and he can do the Bull Matador, uh, use jabs, step away from power shots, he can win this fight. Um, but but I don't think he does. I think Chaos knocks him out here in that first round, and we get that real exciting knockout here, that highlight knockout here that he's been looking for, uh, that he hasn't had in a minute at least. Um, Cameron Van Camp, uh, big uh, dog, versus Andre 
Fila, Fila, Filo. Oof, I'm butchering that one. This isn't like Andre Filio, and it kind of looks the same, so it's fucking me up. Um, <laughs> who you got, Jess? Uh, I'm gonna go with Fialo. Yeah, I wish I knew more about these guys. I don't want to lie. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and try to I'm gonna tell you that I've seen <laughs> something. You can confirm that. Not a lot. Not uh, enough. Fialo uh, is, uh, at least from what I'm looking at, as far as opponents go, uh, he seems to be the, uh, he's just kind of a little bit of a badass. Guys, he's, got, uh, he's, got, he's got two fights in the UFC already this year, and this would be his third, and it's not even June, so that is pretty badass. Uh, his other fights were in UA, UAE Warrior. Never even heard of it. Yeah, but all of them ended in knockouts. And that win in the UFC also was a knockout. So I'm guessing that what he does is go in there and pop people really quick. Uh, so in order to win this fight, I think Van Camp's probably going to have to uh, – it looks like Van Camp's a, more of a submission-style fighter. He's going to have to weather the storm. Yep. Uh, Fialo, however, again, he starts out a lot like I talked about with Chaos Williams, starts out really strong, big, strong punches, uses all that energy up uh, within that first round. I'm not sure if Van Camp can withstand that. Uh, I'm going to Fialo, knockout round one. Yeah, I agree with you here. It's going to be the old, uh, if, if Cameron can get the grappling going, he can finish late. If Theo catches him early, it's going to be a knockout or a stoppage here. I'm going to go with the latter. I think Andre finishes him here earlier. Uh, we're going to the main card, Jess. And we got our uh, what we like yeah, to call the senior division. It. The old senior division, Jess. We haven't talked about it in a while here. The old NHB division. We've tried to build this division before, you and I, in our imaginations here, that we just throw it out, our half-baked ideas, if you will. There should be a senior division here, where after you got 40 or 50 fights, there is it's just open weight. You're 155, you're 170, you're 185, who gives a fuck? You're just going to fight. Uh, I feel like we've got two of those fights in front of us here. The first one is Cowboy Cerrone versus Joe Lazan. This was a dream fight 10 years ago. Um, we're here now. Uh, 10 years later um these guys have a combined 32 losses jess uh who you got uh i didn't even keep track of this but donald cowboy cerrone is oh and four he's he's reaching bj penn level territories here but no one's talking about it like it's bj penn zero four and one in his last five with that one being a no contest against nico price he's lost to gaichi though He's lost to Connor, yep. Pettis, and Morono. And then, of course, the, the no, no contest. I'm going to say if you're going to lose fights and still plan on keeping a job in the UFC, lose fights to Gagey and, and Connor McGregor mm-hmm. and, and lose the championship caliber fighters. And then if you keep losing, you'll probably still keep your job. Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go and surprise people. I'm going to go with Joe Lozon. I've, I have been a Lozon guy for a long time. Uh, I know that he is way past long in the tooth in his career, and I don't even know why he's still fighting. But I think – the checks go. I think the Cowboy Cerrone is just so robotic in all of his movement now, so much more than even five, ten years ago. I remember ten years ago saying, damn, man, like Cowboy, he just moves like a robot. Like if you can dance around him a little bit like and avoid his, his strikes – all he can do is go forward, sideways, and backwards. That's it. He has no lateral movements. He has no good – you know, his footwork is, is pretty much non-existent. 
Uh, I, I think Lozon takes him to the ground. I love the fact that both can uh, use submissions to finish the fight. But I think Lozon's a little bit better at submissions than Cerrone. And I'm going submission yeah. finish second round. I agree with you, and I don't even know if it makes it to the second round. I think Joe submits him within the first 10 minutes of this fight. Uh, if Cerrone can somehow land a strike, a high kick, a, you know, a combination with his good straight right hand, left, he has good straight punches still, and, and Joe tends to run into him. Um, but I think Joe has a high fight IQ, and this is a perfectly tailored styles make fights for him. I think that's why it's it's somewhat of a pick Um, and I agree with you. I think Joe submits him, uh, whether it's a choke. This is one of those Donald's going to sleep type fights. Um, so I'm going Joe. We're in agreement there. Nice. Our second leg of the senior tour <laughs> is going to be Shogun Hua versus OSP. I believe this is the second time they fought. Uh, we did one of these a few weeks ago, Jess, uh, and it was the cyborg fight where I said, if nothing's changed in between the last times that they fought, other than one guy was old and he just got older, well, what's really going to change with the outcome here? I, I, Jess, who you got? Well, as big of a fan as I am of Mauricio Shogun Hua, uh, taking me back already to those great pride days, winning the Grand Prix, smashing out Ricardo Arona, getting hugs from all of the shooter box camp. My God, I'm in heaven right now. I have to take myself out of heaven. UFC, the UFC <laughs> champion. The UFC lightweight. UFC he, defeating Leo Machida during dude, the, the Dude, you want to keep waxing. You want to keep waxing poetically. I do. It's, Shogun it's went from the prodigy. He's fucking King Griffey Jr. He he went from the prodigy, from this guy is the guy. He's come from the elite camp. He won the tournaments. The guys would never even consider fighting him now in Japan where guys were fucking soccer kicking each other and doing Lord knows what uh, in regards to what was going on in their bodies. <laughs> he came to America, passed all drug tests, won the UFC championship. So, I mean, that is, that is literally the, the, that's the cherry on top. It is. It doesn't get any better in regards to combat sports. You've reached, he is the true pinnacle. He's done it all. He, People talk about double champs, like to win to win the open weight tournament that he won, wasn't it? I believe it was either the open weight tournament or the is the middle is the middleweight tournament. Middle, yeah, which is basically the two hundred five yeah. tournament. To win the two hundred five tournament, that was if you go back and look at it, filled it with absolute row. fucking killers, Hall of Famers across the board, and uh, and and Yoshida, uh, and then he came <laughs> to fucking the UFC. It knocked out Prime Machida when we were walking into, as Joe Rogan quoted, once said, the Machida era. He stopped the Machida era. The fucking guy has done it all and seen it all, Jess. Yeah. And, and, and again, like this fight, the reason I'm so confused and, and also a little concerned is because Shogun's never been known as a guy who like squandered money. He's always had side gigs. Um, especially over in Brazil, he's got a bunch of stuff over there. I believe he's got like a modeling company and stuff that he runs and like a bunch of other stuff. Uh, he's got training camps, fight camps. Uh, 
And then, of course, he uh, through throughout his career. I mean, he's won money as well, obviously. And, a lot, you would uh, think. So I get it. You're the old dog. You're the old champ. You're trying to keep that feeling alive, being in front of the crowd, hearing the roar, the thunderous uh, applause. You want to hear, you know, uh, see the lights, the cameras, the action. I get it, man. It's an adrenaline rush. It's a pump. It's an addiction. But my God, I've seen Shogun at his best and I've seen him at his worst and his worst has come no more than probably his last six fights. And he has not looked impressive, not one bit, not in any of those fights. If you want to really get down and dirty, he did not, no no contest that, or a draw. He did not draw with Paul Craig in their first fight. He lost that fight. Yep. I scored it. So I glad you, I so glad you brought that three. up. Paul Craig, he, he won that fight. Shogun got the nod of the no contest or whatever it was, the draw, because I believe it was in Brazil at the time. I think it was a Brazil card. Uh, Paul Craig then got his revenge by viciously knocking Shogun out this last fight that they just had. And in the meantime, he's been knocked out by quite a few others. So, so his last three fights it, were the last three fights were the draw that you discussed, which I, I am in total agreement in. And I wanted to bring this up. So you beat me to the punch. A split decision against Noguera. I Which was hopping, I, think that he I was hopping up and down saying Noguera won that fucking fight. That, that Noguera got robbed and uh, he got knocked out by Craig. The last fight we got knocked out in Craig was November of 2020. So he hasn't fought in fucking 18 months. And from what it looks like, he doesn't look like he's in any better shape either than he was. I remember Shogun, he, he, was, he always was a little bit thicker of a middleweight Always a little bit thicker of a light heavyweight. Um, but his UFC body was never what he, it was in Japan. And uh, he just was always a little bit thicker in not good ways. He looked slow. His foot movement was slow. His head movement was incredibly slow. And that could also be from just the years of taking punches and kicks. There's, there's obviously, Jay, we can go back and talk about stories about the shooter box camp, how they would go 90% in camp instead of 30% in camp. Vandalay was knocking Shogun out. Shogun's knocking his brother out. Anderson's knocking somebody out. Like, you don't do that in camp. That's not how you train. But that's how they trained. And so not only is he training one, like almost 100% in fight camps, but then you're going into fight and you're fighting just murderers. In Japan, I'm telling you guys, for any of you out there who have no idea what Pride FC is or was, please, God, go get on UFC. Please, Fight Pass. please, God, please, God, um, go get on UFC here, Fight Pass and look up all these great fights from the, the Pride Japan area. Uh, here era. is uh, here is a quick taste of what um, what he did. Um, he knocked out Quentin Rampage Jackson in 2005. Quentin Rampage. Rampage Jackson was prime Quentin Rampage Jackson. Might have been the number one fighter in the world if it wasn't Chuck Liddell. Um, uh, beat Noguera, little Noguera, in a fucking toss-up 51-49 to 49 type of fight. That's how you scored him back then because there were no scorecards. It was just, I think that Noguera won 49% of this fight, and I think Shogun won 51%. Uh, that same fucking night, uh, oh no, I'm sorry, his next fight was Overheem. He knocked out Overheem in uh, six minutes, 
in the same night, he knocked out Arona. So he knocked out Overheem and Arona in the same night to win that championship. He has a loss there against Mark Coleman, which if you remember, it was the it arm. Was weird. He, he had to. He was trying. He was trying to brace a slam. He got caught up in the ropes. It was a weird, weird area in the ring. He broke his arm. Mark Coleman won that fight. That, it's, it's a, by the way, it's a quick, famous fight. That is the also famous because afterwards, Vandalay Silva hunted down Mark Coleman backstage in revenge in the back in the back locker room, and there was an all-out brawl between Shootabox and uh, uh, damn it, uh, Hammer Team Hammer House. Yeah, there's there's been books written about it, and I think we had uh, Phil Brony talk about it on this very podcast. Did. Uh, after he came back from that, beat Cyril Delabate. Beat Kevin Randleman when Kevin Randleman, I believe, was fresh off of beating um, Crow Crop, um, or had beaten Crow Crop maybe a year prior to that. Um, and then he beat Nakamura and knocked out fucking over him again. Then he came to the UFC. So if you look at fucking the body of work of Shogun, there's 15 years worth of just absolute motherfucking crazy fights. If you look at that first Dan Henderson fight, and in my opinion, that might be the fight of that decade. Yeah, Like that fight was so fucking incredible. And then after that fight, he fucking beat Brandon Vera and then fought Gustafsson and then fought Chael Sonnen. And then fought Dan Anderson again. And then fought OSP. Lost to OSP and we went, okay, he's probably done. That's probably it for Shogun. Father time. And then he fought for fucking eight more years. (laughs) Eight more fucking years. That was 2014. I did not realize that that fucking OSP fight was that long ago. That was 2014, Jess. And for those of you who, who don't remember the first meeting between these two uh, fighters, uh, Shogun, uh, I, I believe he had slipped and fallen against the cage. He was sitting on his butt back yep. against the cage. OSP and OSP just, just, hopped, just hopped right on him and beat the shit out of him. pounces and beat the shit out of Shogun's face and it was, slick. was knocked out. It was vicious, folks. It, wasn't, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was slick. It was slick. And, then, and, then, and I'm telling you, and I remember, shit, we might even be doing the podcast at this time. And I'm saying... It's probably it. It's probably it. That was the old man. Shogun is trending down, but this OSP is trending up. This might be the guy. This might be the fuck guy to, to fight Bones Jones. Fuck how that end. We were uh, how that wrong. fucking worked out. <laughs> we were wrong about that. <laughs> yeah. boy, were we? Uh, uh, listen, we don't get them all right, guys. Shogun uh, still so, fighting, and OSP ain't done so, shit. So <laughs> with all, so we just spent five minutes talking about fucking. Um, about Shogun, and now we're both going to pick against him, right? We are. We are. Yeah, go right ahead. Uh, I've got a first round TKO uh, <laughs> in St. Pru. Yeah, yeah. That's terrible. I just, it's just, it feel bad making the pick, but I agree with you. I don't think that Shogun Hey, but thank you for story. helping wax so poetically. For yeah, my you know, we, we are Before going we to enjoy that absolutely moment. Absolutely destroyed him. <laughs> we're going to enjoy this moment that we had waxing poetically and going back in time and just thinking about those incredible soccer kick knockouts that he had and him just beating the absolute fuck out of Rampage. When Rampage was like the god at that moment, Rampage was like, 
we were like, man, could you imagine this guy in the UFC? And then eventually he did go to the UFC two years later or whatever it was. But uh, yeah, I got OSP, OSP by knockout. Um, if Shogun somehow pulls off uh, a miracle win, the roof in that place will come off of the building. It will fucking pop like you would not believe because everybody, I'm assuming majority of the fight fans in that building grew up watching Shogun because we all grew up fucking watching Shogun guys been fighting for fucking 15 years. Um, by yeah. the way, sure. by the way, the rampage knockout that we keep talking about rampage is famous for having an interview saying that he didn't even want to fight Shogun. He had just beaten Shogun's brother and Shogun felt disrespected by the, the, uh, it was a, a basically like a 51 49 type call for mm. rampage. Yep. He felt Close disrespected. Fight. And Rampage had turned Shogun down, I believe, twice before his manager finally said, you can't keep ducking this guy. Why the fuck are you ducking this guy? He took the fight, and Shogun absolutely mauled Rampage. That was the start of the – that was it. That was that propelled Shogun's career. He got the rub like you wouldn't believe. Man, was Shogun 21 even at that point? I don't even know if it was he was he 21. was he was crazy young because I believe uh, Ninja. He might have been I believe 21. Ninja is the older brother. Yeah, yes, no, Ninja's definitely the older brother. Ninja's the older brother. All right, speaking. I mean, so we 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 are stepping out of the senior tour, but we're getting a little long in the tooth here with our boy Tony the Tiger Ferguson. Tony the Tiger Ferguson is a fucking plus 300 against Michael Chandler. And I love Michael Chandler. And I don't know if I've even picked against Michael Chandler in any of these fucking fights that we've done since we've been doing the show um, in the UFC. But God damn, he's a fucking minus 380? Jess, who you got? Uh, That's called Battle of the Social Media. Uh, I, I know that Chandler is the he's the dreamboat right now, man. He's the he's the guy. He's the the baby face. People of, love him. People, people love, love him. Chandler. And don't get me wrong, on a personal level, Michael Chandler's a great guy. He is. Uh, if you really want to find more out, again, the internet's great. If you want to look up actually good, you know, positive things, look up Michael Chandler's story. He's got a great story to tell. They're, it's on Unfiltered. Just put on the – they'll be talking about it on Unfiltered or Uncheck he, or whatever the fuck they call he's it. He's an amazing man, an amazing family man. Uh, he's a great humanitarian. We need more humanitarians in the work UFC. work ethic is like almost none other. The guy has been a champion over in Bellator. He's he's beaten the best of the best of the best. He's been in some crazy wild fights, uh, especially with the uh, the uh, the Freire brothers. Um, he, he's the guy, right? He was their prized uh, free agent acquisition, and he's not had such a stellar. Uh, uh, record, I guess. He's Even fought he's nothing but the best, dogs. The best. Yeah, nothing but dogs. And every fight he's been yes. in has been competitive. Every fight he's been in the UFC has been competitive. And uh, I mean, I got nothing but positive things to say about Chandler Jess. Who you got? The, let me hear you got here. So I'm going to go on a limb here. And this is partly because A, he follows me and interacts with me on Twitter. Mm. B, I just love to watch this guy fight. And see, he's so fucking weird that he's just too weird to not watch. He's he's entertainment incarnate, and that's Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, for one thing, is not getting nearly enough love from anybody. His own company, you know, has has tried to set him up for failure. Tony Ferguson, when he loses, 
he loses in big ways. He doesn't lose in small ways. He doesn't get he doesn't get demolished in fights. He's lost to uh, Darius, who Jay absolutely loves. Yeah, both want to see Darius do more and 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 uh, start climbing that ladder. And he lost to Charles Oliveira. And then uh, his uh, his first loss was to Gaethje, uh, to for the I believe it was the interim. Uh, lightweight championship. He's had a, he's had a bad run here. The last whatever it is, four fights. But before his last three, he's had three losses in a row. And again, two buzz saws, folks. It's not like he got thrown a bone and then had some weird loss. He lost to Justin Fucking Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, and uh, Benil Dariush. Three buzz saws. And before that, he knocked the shit out of Donald Cerrone to where the doctor had to stop the fight. And then he beat Anthony Pettis yeah. uh, also by TKO. And Pettis isn't easy to knock out in general. And Tony Ferguson found a way to do it. Tony Ferguson's style is, I don't know, batshit crazy, I guess. Maybe. Like everything. If you've ever seen his training videos, it's, it's almost like watching Jameis Winston's training videos. It's super weird and crazy shit that you'll never it's, ever see it's a, fun. a professional do any of that ever. But it works for Tony. He's funny. He's got character. He's got charisma. And in this fight, Chandler is going to be the bulldog. He has to be. He's going to want to push the fight. Well, Tony is uh, – he's that uh, – he's the guy who will sit back and allow the push so he can calculate what happens after and I believe that as far as fight IQ is concerned, and people will probably would love to debate me on this because he acts crazy and nuts, talks crazy on the interviews. I don't believe that he's crazy. I believe Tony Ferguson's fight IQ is extremely high. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for him to get this fight to the ground. I Don't get me wrong. There will be stand-up. But Ferguson doesn't want to have another loss. Four straight losses. Even to top-ranked opponents, never looks great. And I think that what he's going to do is exchange, exchange, exchange. And, and if he's winning the exchanges, we'll see more stand-up. But I believe that because of Chandler's uh, way that he fights, the bulldog style, the phone booth fights, I believe that Ferguson is going to use this to get him to the ground. I'm going submission, Tony Ferguson, round three. I love that pick, uh, first of all. And I'm gonna we're doubling down here. I, I have a, I have a handful of takes on this, so let me start here. Um, I think that I think that when you look at both of their bodies of work, it's easy to just do an outside take, you know, uh, a scratch the surface take and go. Well, Ferguson's just the more weathered fighter, right? Especially these last three fights with the killers that he's fought. And before that, he was just fighting murderers at that division, other than Khabib, because that fight never materialized. But Chandler had a fucking rough go, like you said, with those Pitbull brothers and Alvarez and whoever else that they were throwing at him at Bellator, because he was fighting the best in the world. It's, I think it's interesting when you do the styles make fights because I think Ferguson has a, a legitimate chance to knock Chandler out here with the high fight IQ plus his ability to seize the moment and finish fighters. He finishes well. 
Uh, if he's got Chandler hurt, I don't think he's going to fuck around and dance and play. And, and I think he's going to go for fucking finishes here. And I think if he doesn't get a finish within the first 10 minutes, you know, first two rounds, um, it might get hairy for him. Um, I, he looked really bad against that with that fight against Darius. And, and he's talked about how he was injured. And he's talked about how he probably shouldn't have taken that fight. Uh, another thing that I wanted to say here, Jess, is I went down that fucking Ferguson rabbit hole yesterday, <laughs> and uh, everything this guy is saying, man, it's so fucking spot on. And he has reached, it's almost like a Diaz brother, where he's just saying whatever the fuck he wants, and he knows there's repercussions when you say this shit, but he's saying it intelligently, right? Like, he's saying it to where it should really stimulate any fight fan's mind when they hear how he's saying, hey, man, I want to fucking play baseball. And Dana tells me, no, I want to. I'm an athlete, man. I want to go wrestle on the WWE with Brock. And Dana tells me, no, uh, I want to fucking do this. And Dana says, no, but I, but I can't fight either. I can't get a fucking fight. So I can't make money. So I got to go do shit on Instagram and I got to go do shit on social media and I got to find other outlets because I'm a fighter. But for whatever reason, you're taking that ability away from me. You're also taking the other channels away from me. Why is this? Why is this? But not only that, why are fighters agreeing to this? Why are fighters uh, signing these contracts? Or is everybody signing the same contracts? Are the newer fighters signing these contracts or or the what you know, he was saying, Hey, you know, you hear, and we were just talking about T Sizzle, you hear Brian Ortega talking in these interviews, and he's talking about how he's buying different cars and homes, and and then and then Ferguson's talking about his financial struggles, and you're like, Fuck, this guy's you know, you, you hate to hear fighters talking about the struggle when he said it himself, they're on the posters and they're on the video games. And their names are being used to possibly promote events. Um, their likeliness is being used when you're at Buffalo Wild Wings and you see Ferguson versus whoever in the background on one of those seven televisions. Because there's always fucking fights on on one of those 17 televisions at fucking the Buffalo Wild Wings. Um He's got a fucking point of saying, hey, man, we're kind of exploited here. And I'd kind of like to fucking get paid a little bit more. And I hope other fighters are are, are are being proactive and getting paid. And if not, what the fuck are we doing? Why don't we have insurance? Why are we owned by a billion dollar uh, by a billion dollar organization? But none of us have insurance. Why is it the NFL and the NBA and the Major League Baseball and all these organizations that are on the same television platform that we are on? have players associations but we ain't got shit and we talk about creating a union and it's frowned upon like this dude is saying all the shit that fighters as well as fans should be absorbing listening to agreeing to and saying yeah why not i mean and it's not about getting the fucking pitchforks out and it's not about saying, well, I'm just, I'll show you, Dana. I'm just not going to order the fights. No, that's the opposite. Yeah, but some, you, you got to start shaking enough fucking trees. And to Ferguson's credit, 
the media has got to be held accountable and we got to have more guys like Ariel out there going, Hey man, these guys should be making a little bit more fucking coin. Hey man, Jake Paul's fucking right. Hey man, these, these, this, this, this girl's fight, which I'm dying to talk about when we're done about this, these girls probably fucking made a million dollars each uh, on in this fight in Madison, Madison Square Garden the other night. Is Ferguson even going to make a, a, an eighth of that, a quarter of that? Uh, you know, is he going to walk out of that building with $120,000 that night? I don't know. He's right, Jess. People should be fucking talking more about this. Um, I got Ferguson. And I'm and I'm in agreement with you. I, I, I think he's still got some pop. The chaos in mixed martial arts is in this equation because if he loses, I cannot see a scenario where he talks all that shit that he talked the other day on a in a live UFC microphone and keeps his, <laughs> and keeps his fucking job. There's no fucking way. I'm sorry. There's just none. Um, and if he wins, well, fuck you. You cut the guy after he just beat. Michael Chandler, I don't know if he can. I mean, Dana doesn't give a fuck. So maybe it's maybe he's the example, right? And maybe, and maybe Ferguson has all this writing on the wall. So maybe he says, Hey man, fuck it. This is my last time. Uh, so just like the the fucking Dave Chappelle movie, that scene out of that out of the old movie, the Stoner movie. Uh, I'm gonna grab the microphone and go, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool, and I'm out. That might have been his moment, right? He knows he ain't gonna eat another one, so he fucking did it. He handled it. He handled it well. Um, just no, jump I, in here. No, I think so. Uh, Tony Ferguson is now the only problem with Tony Ferguson is people talked about him a lot or have spoken about him a lot. He's he's in the news. He's on people's minds. We talk about him around the water cooler, but he's never been that. He's never been that company man. I think that maybe for a minute he tried. They got close. He was but, a champion. They got close. He was he was wearing the suits. He exactly. Was, he was doing he was doing he was playing the part, but he wasn't he's not the he doesn't have the big beautiful smile. He's not he's not a, he's not as promotable as a Gaethje. No, and, and you know what's funny about Gaethje is Gaethje is he's hillbilly deluxe, man. Mm -hmm. I mean that's just flat out. He's and red. He's red, white, and blue, and, and in this would, sport, the motherfuckers love it. He would probably appreciate that that name, even Hillbilly Deluxe. Like he, I mean, he's just that's what he is, and he's very outspoken about things too. The only difference with Gaethje is his fight style is uh, more entertaining than to watch Tony Ferguson jump around the cage and and do backflips and cartwheels and shit. And people, especially like hardcore fight fans, get confused as to why he's doing certain things in the cage. Uh, but I guarantee you, Tony Ferguson is just as competitive as any of the top 10 in that division. He's just as motivated as anybody in that top 10. And I guarantee you that he's just as talented. Even now, I know he's a little bit older now, but he's still just as talented as anybody in that top 10 in, in that division. And this fight is going to be... I don't want to call this his fuck you Dana fight. I don't think that that's his motivation. I think that the motivation is still to show people that he is still a top dog in the fight game. And I think that he's going to prove it. Uh, like I said earlier, it's going to be a, a submission. I believe it's going to be a submission victory over uh, Michael Chandler. And uh, Tony will go on to do something else. Uh, I'm not even sure if he's going to continue. I don't know what his contract is like with the UFC, uh, yeah. whether 
be with you longer. Chaz, here's the line. Here's the line, by the way. Are you ready for it? Here's this par- Here's the paragraph. Are you ready? Um, I think we're underpaid, personally, to be real. I asked Dana to box. He said, fuck no. I'm like, why? I want to go play baseball. I want to go do other pro sports. I'm an athlete. I grew up playing different sports at a high level. I want to go do a couple things, but then I have this guy right here acting like a fucking drug dealer telling me I can't go and do this shit. I want to go make more money for my family. How can you fault a guy for just wanting to better? That that is fucking hard. And that right there, that's, I mean, now we've heard it from other fighters, obviously, but that's a very real you know, that's a very real quote. That's a very real thing to be said. That right there, that what was said was not, hey, I hate Dana White. That was not, I hate the UFC. That was simply saying, please allow me to use my talents and skills, either fighting more often for your organization, therefore making more money, whether I win or lose, or allowing me side projects so I can, t- I can continue to make money and provide for my family while waiting for fights. Someone, that was how I took that. It was not a fuck you, Dana White kind of thing. Someone brings up Dana White privilege, and his response is, I don't think that shit's very funny. You do, maybe. And he's referring to the reporter. I don't think it's very funny. Uh, so, I mean, everybody's looking at it. They're smiling and laughing at it, but nobody says shit. I'm the kid that's up here with Dana Brown privilege, I guess, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't think it's funny anymore. I don't think you guys should think it's funny either. Holy fuck. Are you kidding me? Uh, Yeah. And then uh, at some point, um, Connor tweeted, uh, and I guess this is last night, uh, Tony Ferguson, who changes representation around four times a year, is saying it's someone else's fault. He's in the position he's in. How many bridges do you burn before you look at yourself in the mirror and say, maybe it's me that's the issue? God bless, pal. I'll say you a prayer. So, um, holy religious man, Connor McGregor, are the, um, on Cinco de Mayo, it's good to know that we've got um, our father, the Padre, Connor McGregor, in our corner, saying prayers for us. Um, we spent a decent amount of time on this. You spent more time talking yeah. about this than we did the actual fight. Um, you and I are in agreement here. Um, I, would not be, I would not be surprised if uh, father time has caught up, and as well as the injuries have caught up with uh, with our man. And Chandler just ends up being a little bit more spry. He does have quick hands. He does have pop in his gloves. So maybe he can out-grapple um, uh, Ferguson. That's in play. I don't think he is, though. I think you and I are in the same agreements here. Anytime we do this show, Jess, at the end of the day, we want to do one thing. We want to bring attention to the things that hurt MMA. We want to bring attention to the things that could make MMA better. And we always, at some point, with it usually takes us three or four shows, we come back to what, Jess? We come back to the fucking purses. We come back to prize fighting, right? That's where it's at. Every fucking that, time. In, in mixed martial arts, if you, were to, if you were to strip it down to its core, at the core of mixed martial arts is A, lack of pay, uh, no quality, um, um, not supervision, but uh, representation. And those are the, the, the to me that those are the those are at the core of mixed martial arts right now. And 
you have fighters like Tony Ferguson going out there and then, you know, he's getting paid whatever he gets paid. Well, guess what? That also gets taxed. It's not like he just gets a, a $50,000 check. It's taxed somewhere. Unless, you know, unless they're in, in Vegas or one of these states that, you know, whatever. Uh, you, you've got to think about the tax man at the end of the year and what's going to happen there. You got bills to pay. You have a family to feed, possibly. If anything, you got to feed your fucking self. You got to feed your trainers. You got to make sure that those those homeboys and homegirls are out there getting theirs because without that, you're not getting trained. There's so much being a fighter. And Jay and I, we, we talk about it all the time where it's kind of like, man, these guys are they're they're wired different, and that's true. But at the same time, fighting is such a complex sport. There's so many layers to what you have to accomplish and pay for and just achieve to get to certain levels. And it's not just like you can go into any fucking ring or cage and say, hey, you know, I'm going to fight this guy. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're a millionaire. It's not easy. It's hard life. Jess, uh, we're going to we're going to keep it moving here because we spent a decent amount of time on that. But again, we're about fighters getting paid. We want we want to see the fighters be able to retire and live comfortably. They, they entertain us. The least that the sport could do is uh, you know, pay it forward and pay these fucking guys. Carlos Barza, who I'm pretty sure we got confused with another Latina fighter like three weeks ago, is rematching Rose Namanunas. It's good to see Rose back. Rose is an old Twitter follower of mine going back 10 years. Shout out Rose, who probably has, I think answered my DM a few years ago. I can't remember. It's been a while since I shot her one, but she was cool uh, with the old social media at one point. She used to like my tweets way back in the day. Um, Just interesting, weird time for Rose. She's in that weird gray area of her career. It's almost like which Rose are we going to get, right? Who you got? Uh, I've got Rose. Um, uh, Thug Rose, whatever you want to call her, I just think that at this point in time, I think that she's at, at she's at that top level that she can possibly reach. Her skill set is the best it's going to be. Uh, her mentality, her mental state, we all know that you know she's very open about her mental health and and dealing with certain things in that that realm. Um, it's I believe at the best state it's been in a long time. And so put that together, what you're going to get is very dangerous Rose Namahunas. And I believe that even though Carla Esparza, uh, I believe that this was a, this is a rematch from yep. the uh, ultimate fighter, the 10 ultimate years fighter ago. about, yeah, about 10 years ago or so where Esparza was the first ever, I believe, straw weight women's champion. Uh, I, think Rose, I think Rose had two fights at that time, by the way. Call uh, call her Cookie Monster, I believe. That's is, is that Carlos Barza's yep. Cookie Monster. That's right. Uh, so yeah, but again, tale of two two uh, careers, right? Rose has gone on to reach you know fame and hopefully some fortune uh, in championship belts. Where Carlos Barza, she reached uh, belt status early and then ended up just kind of moving down a uh, uh, like a one-way street, if you will. I'm trying to remember if she was the first one to get destroyed by Johanna, and then Johanna just had the belt forever. Is that what happened? Yeah, that I believe sounds so. about right. Johanna right? Champion. Uh, she, she I'm pretty sure Johanna destroyed her, and then that was it. She was different level after she won that belt. Um, no, no, no chick in that division even came close until much later down the road. But um, as far as these two go, uh, again, tale of two careers. 
Um, and uh, the best thing out of this fight that I've seen all week, at least, has come not from either of the two female competitors, but from Mr. Sean Strickland. <laughs> Sean Strickland. This guy's holding. Sean Strickland is either super hashtag team MMA, MMA horns, or he is just a creeper. I don't know. I, I, I think he can be a little bit of both. But he's, it was funny. He didn't slide in. He did admit to sliding into Rose's DMs at one point in time. Uh, and Mr. Pat Barry, obviously, Pat Barry is a um, uh, Thug Rose's. Uh, I don't know if they're married or if they're just a partner. They've been a significant, uh, they've been significant. Very, very long they've time. Been, I mean, Jesus, as long John Strickland happened to point out a picture that either Th- uh, Rose put out or Pat, I'm not sure which. Uh, whereas Pat looked like he was 35 and Rose looked like he was 13. He had said something about, you know, him being a predator and it was super fucking hilarious. And I hope that he was like on that. I'm joking level, but I'm trying to get a rise out of you. Yeah. It's kind of fucked up. It was kind of fucked up, but it was super funny at the same time. There's just, there's, there's honestly, and we love Rose, but let's call a spade a spade. There's clearly this weird, we love talking about the gray area on this show. We keep revisiting it. There's this weird gray area where she might have been 17 and a half. Maybe <laughs> she was 17 and 10 months. Uh, how does that badass 80s rock band song go? She's only 17. Oh, yeah. And Pat Berry, I mean, you know, fuck, I don't know. Maybe he did the right and respectful thing and went to the parents, and maybe the parents were good with it. I don't know. It's weird. We're in the gray area. We don't want us. We don't want to dive headfirst into it, especially when we're talking about Rose, who we love, and more importantly, Pat Berry, who could probably still kick our heads off. Um, so we're just gonna leave it there. Sean Strickland is like, you know, he he bats two hundred, right? I mean, he he'll put out <laughs> five fucking takes and. Four of me just go, God, what is what are you doing, dude? But one of them makes you think, makes <laughs> you go, ah, you know, I mean, you're like, he's like, you know, he's the one guy that can say that. I can't say that. I wouldn't dare tweet that. I don't have the balls to tweet. I, I have a job to keep. Someone, someone will screenshot that. I'll get fired. I'll, I'll get divorced. But he can get away with that. He could, he can, he, he, one out of five, Jess, I'm telling you. You go, eh, you know, I probably wouldn't, probably wouldn't say it out loud, but I'm with my boy. I show him the tree. I go, look at this fun guy. Nice pie, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not to take anything away from these two ladies in their fight. Uh, no. Focus solely on Sean Strickland. But Sean Strickland, he, <laughs> go back in. he has come out fully and admitted, like, even after one of his fights that he had just recently won, he was like, we're all fucking crazy. He was yes. like, he was like, we get into a fucking cage and beat the shit out of each other. Yes. How how are we not crazy? It, I mean, he fully admits it. He embraces it, and then he says weird, stupid shit that also sometimes is very funny. And uh, you know, he I, he gets under your skin, but yet it's like you, that's, one, that's your one out of every five. One geez. out of five, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. It's. You're just like, man, I just, I don't want, I don't want to agree with him. Like if my wife's around, I'm not going to agree with them. I got to fucking, I got to get out of the house. I got to be in the car. And I show my boy, if he's in the passenger seat, I'm like, this fucking guy. I mean, listen, he's right. Uh, it's, it's just kind of how it is. Um, yeah. So we're both going with Rose here, right? 
Yeah, Thug Thug wrote. I I uh, I just think skill wise and everything, she's she's at the best. She's at the best that she's gonna probably ever be. Carla's gonna bring it too. This isn't gonna. Carla, I don't think Carla gets knocked out. No, it's, Carla. It, I, I think I think if anything, uh, I'm leaning towards a, a Rose submission probably in the second to third round. Um, I I think that Carla, who's a very accomplished wrestler, uh, very very hard moving, uh, hard driving grappler. Uh, and she can throw. She can. She's got hands. Uh, yep. So don't expect this to be an easy fight. This isn't going to be a you know a walk in the park. But you know what? When you're the champion, you don't deserve walk in the park fights. Nope. She's had she's had Wiley two times. You know what I mean? And yeah, Rose doesn't get a lot of walk in the parks. Her, no, her career is not no walk, in, walk the, in the parks. But I am taking Rose. She will leave the defending champion after this fight. Yeah, um, by the way, uh, Carla has two split decisions in here, and I forgot the the Watterson fight I thought was close, um, and I also thought the Rodriguez fight was close as well. So uh, she did knock out uh, the Yia Broad, who is tough as fuck and has thick-ass tree trunk legs, so that was an impressive knockout. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fucking fun fight. I'm with you. I'm going Rose. I think Rose wins three out of the five rounds here. And I also agree. I think that if Rose hurts Carla, she will fucking tornado grab a neck, grab a leg, grab an arm, grab whatever limb she can get her hands on and finish. Rose is good at dazing your ass and then slapping a choke on you. And before you know it, fucking fight's over. Um, So I'm going Rose, but I think she wins three out of the five rounds. We have made it to the main event, Jess. I'm honestly surprised that the that the uh, old vegas spread is is this close charles de bronx Oliveira. we might be swimming into nobody believes in the champ territory uh, slide over slight favorite fighting justin gaethje who is i mean how do you not fucking love this guy this guy's got to be a fan favorite across the board i just don't know how you don't fucking like this guy maybe he's a trump guy maybe you don't i don't know uh jess who you got um i'm going and new lightweight champion of the world justin gaethje gets it done uh gaethje's only loss in his last uh five fights in which he's destroyed Edson Barboza. And yeah, you, people can say, well, Barboza's getting destroyed all the time. I get that. This was, uh, you know, this was back in 2019. Edson Barboza still had gas. He destroyed Donald Cerrone in the same fucking year. You destroy Barboza and Cerrone in the same fucking year. And then he comes back in uh, the following year and he destroys Tony Ferguson. That's a big okay. one. He, that's he, the big one. That was a huge, that was, that was what is, that's the propeller of his uh, uh, second half career here with UFC. And then the, his only loss is that loss to Khabib. And everybody lost to Khabib. Yep. Some people call Khabib the greatest champion of all time. Some people call him the greatest fighter of all time. When you lose to a guy who is in that category, along with the greats of the greats, losing that guy is not a big deal. Yep. And then he came back and he beat Michael Chandler – uh, and it, that was a great fight. Again, just two bulldogs who said, you know what? Let's bite They're the shit out of each other. Just fucking go. And they did. And Gaethje got the decision win. And now we have Oliveira. And he's the champ. And I do believe that we've been in uh, do we believe in the champ. I think that that's where we've been. I don't think that people have fully bought into mm-hmm. Charles as 
the true champion. There's always been another guy that people have rooted for or liked, whether it be Ferguson or, or you know, you still got the Connors and Connor people out there. And you do have the Gaethje people and the Chandler people and so on and so forth. The lightweight division of the UFC is insane. It's crazy. Uh, I, I believe that what Charles is doing right now is absolutely amazing, especially as far as uh, considering it his second half of his career. Mm-hmm. Now that he's older, he's wiser, he's training differently, he's eating better, he's more conscious of what goes on around him, he's more aware of what's happening when he's inside the cage and with his opponent. And we've seen that happen when he fights. He's had very, very impressive uh, fights. His last three to six fights have been very impressive. He's now the champ. When you're the champ, you're expected to beat the best of the best. We just talked about Rose. Rose don't got no no walkthroughs. She gets the toughest. She gets the toughest ladies every time now. And when you're the champ, that's what happens. And Justin Gaethje, in my opinion, is probably the toughest lightweight <laughs> in that division. And I'm I'm sorry. I like Charles Oliveira. I love his story. It's a great story. He's had the belt, so I don't feel so bad about talking, you know, about him losing the belt because just getting to the point where you are the champion is a huge accomplishment and should never be taken away from somebody. But Gaethje on this night will leave the new lightweight champion of the world. If you look at that year window from December 12th to December 11th, 2020 to 2021, there's the unanimous decision against Ferguson. Uh, the knockout against Chandler in a fight that Chandler almost won. <laughs> I swear I'm going to my grave saying that. And the submission against Poirier where they went full let's bang, bro. And at some point it was clear Charles was fucking him up. Um, I feel like we're going to get a blueprint of the Poirier fight here. Uh, I think Justin has to clearly knock Charles out. Justin's an incredible finisher. Uh, so I, I believe if he has Charles in danger, he will. But I think Charles is just such a motherfucker and I don't see him losing this fight. I'm going opposite here, Jess. I'm going Charles leaning on that incredible submission background that's got him here in the first place. And I think he finds a choke at some point on Gaethje in the third, possibly the fourth round. I think Gaethje throws, he burns a lot of gas to run those big bombs. Uh, and at some point, uh, he's just going to get caught with that submission. At some point, Oliveira is going to weather that storm, turn into an ugly fight, make Gaethje spend all that extra energy fighting, uh, fighting off grappling. And uh, he finishes him. That's where I'm going. You know, normally, I when you have a bulldog versus uh, a technician, I generally don't go with the bulldog. But when talking about Justin Gaethje, you have also not just that bulldog mentality, not just the, hey, if I have to, we'll just bang it out, bro, mentality. He's got the super heavy hands. Yeah. And let's not forget that he's got – Incredible grappling. His grappling and his wrestling are almost Olympic style. He's he is such a he is so hard to not be taken down by. If he wants to take you down, he will find a way to get you down, and then he will smash and pound you uh, while he's got you down. Uh, 
the good thing about Oliveira is this. He's got reach. He's got the height advantage. He's very good off his back, obviously with the submissions. And he is uh, he has the ability to get up very fast from takedowns. He'll use the cage. He'll use those lanky legs to get leverage and be able to jump back up. He's never held down for very long. Uh, and if, it, if what happens to Donald Cerrone happens to Justin Gaethje, where Oliveira just holds him down and just beats him up, uh, I mean, obviously, that's a bad night. But I just don't see Gaethje. I see Gaethje uh, possibly getting taken down a couple times. I don't see him staying on the ground very long. And I see Gaethje catching uh, Oliveira probably somewhere late in the second, maybe early in the third, and then jumping on him and finishing the fight. Uh, two quick boxing takes, and then we'll hop into the basketball stuff. There's two <laughs> bad series, and there's two good series. So I feel like this is quick stuff here. Uh, one, Shakur Stevenson uh, is the real deal, is legit. Um, I don't know what's going to happen there with the old alphabet belt thing with the whole promoter A versus promoter B. Someone's with the zone. Someone's with top rank. Uh, we're going to end up getting into one of those messes. But Shakir Stevenson is the real deal. He showed less shoe shine last fight and more actual power with this technique. We always knew he had technique, but the pop wasn't there. He showed great pop against Valdez. Uh, Valdez beat his body up but never could really get to his chin. So we still don't know where Shakir's chin is at per se. We haven't really seen him hit with a big, big shot. Um, but but those, those fights might be coming here sooner than later. Uh, the second boxing take that I really want to get into, if you have DAZN, and if you have DAZN, you've probably already done it, go out of your way to watch Taylor versus Serrano. It is the best fight of the year. It is a quick fight because it's only two-minute rounds because for whatever reason, they put two-minute restriction rounds on these gals. But these gals beat the shit out of each other from like the third round on it just becomes a phone booth fight and uh man let me tell you i scored it seven three i believe taylor maybe six four taylor i'd have to go back and look at my scorecard but just an incredible night an incredible night for women's boxing an incredible night for boxing period uh if they do that rematch i really really do hope that they can put that rematch on a national platform, whether it's ABC, whether it's ESPN, whether it's it, it needs to be put on a national platform because this is one of those fights. It's just a it's just a great fucking fight that needs to be seen by everybody. And if if boxing is looking to showcase women's boxing and the future of it or where it could go. You gotta, you gotta get these girls on on a big network because I'm telling you, Jess, that fight was fucking fireworks. That was a absolute banger. Uh, if you again, you got the zone. If you're listening, you got the zone. Go out of your way to watch that fucking fight if you haven't already. I've watched that fight fucking three times, it's, and I canceled the <laughs> zone. I just fucking found it online. Such a great fight, um, Jess. If you don't have anything on top of that, I'm gonna hop into basketball. Uh, I just want to say that uh, I, I didn't watch the fight, but I did see highlights. And Serrano Taylor was um, – <clears throat> it, it was a masterpiece. 
not maybe uh, not so much as far as like you know. I mean, both ladies just went in there and just gave it everything. It wasn't ugly though. But it was it I was a, it was a highly skilled, if not the most skilled, boxing match right? I've seen between two women. And I'm not trying to downplay the 20 years worth of boxing, uh, female boxing I've watched, going back to Christy Martin in the 90s. But these two girls. Uh, they, 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 it was just fucking incredible. It was like watching Morales Barrera. It was so good. And, and, uh, again, what I mean by masterpiece is it was, uh, it, it was one of those turnaround type events where boxing masterpiece, it, yeah. it, a, a boxing masterpiece. It's just, it's a great piece of, it art. was a headline grabber. It was an eye turner, uh, or a head turner. Yeah, it's um, everything that you want in a fight and more. And the best thing about it was instead of it just being two guys, which we're so used to being completely wrapped up into men's athletics, men's sports, it was two women who trained their asses off for months and months and months to come in there and fight for big money and in front of a lot of people. And and I think as far as women's sports goes, that's for me, that was the masterpiece part. It really put eyes on women's boxing again. And uh, I think that, you know, when you have those opportunities where you can have two females, whether whatever sport it may be, and you can highlight that sport when it's two top level women athletes, let's get that shit done, folks. We got to start putting that on TV. We got to start making events out of that headlining stuff. Serrano Taylor, that was huge, 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 huge for women's uh, athletics. I made it a point some point in the third round to get my teenage daughter and go sit down and watch this. And I never have done that in the history of watching combat sports with my, with my middle teenage daughter, my oldest daughter. She's watched fucking a thousand fights with me, but my, I says, you got to sit down. You got to fucking watch this. And she was so compelled by the fight. She didn't pick her phone up. She just watched these two girls beat the shit out of each other. It was such a good fight. Um, Jess, I want to touch on the bad, uh, series that we have. Uh, let's start with the worst of the worst. Um, do the Sixers have a chance without Embiid, or even if he does come back, to beat the Heat and Heat culture? Which, by the way, we gave no chance to even uh, be in the finals, and now it looks like they got a chance. Uh, what do do the Sixers have a shot? Do they got a pulse? Hey, man, in sports, all it takes is that one thing to turn something around. And Embiid uh, with the, what was that, fractured eye, yep. uh, I mean, him being out for, you know, possibly four games. And now they're talking about trying to rush him back for game three. Well, I, think, I hate I that. Think that's a mistake. You should never put an athlete's livelihood on the line because. Not in the playoffs either. Not in the playoffs, man. Don't do that. Uh, even if Embiid came back, he's going to be probably restricted. He's going to be wearing the big face mask. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a hindrance to him. It's going to be an annoyance to him. I don't think that we're going to see uh, MVP Embiid. Uh, and most likely he doesn't play. If he doesn't play, then the Heat move on to a 3-0 lead. I just don't believe that the Sixers uh, – I, I, the depth that they have are, is great. But I think I tweeted it out once. Uh, they have a whole lot of role guys who can come in and mm-hmm. fit specific roles, but they don't have another superstar. No, they do. He's just not stepping up. Well, that superstar, I think, is past his superstardom. Instead, <laughs> he's going three for 14 from three-point from three land and, and the ball over eight times a night. Uh, James Harden is no longer in, in an effective tool 
when called upon to take over a game. Yes, will he have games where he scores 30 points? Sure, he's, that's what he does. James Harden's one of the greatest scorers of all time. But now, where he's at right now, I don't believe in James Harden enough to lead a team by himself. He needs that other guy, or he needs two other guys. And right now, it's just him, possibly Maxie. Uh, Ty Bull is, uh, is a defensive guy. He's not going to step up and play, play offense for you. He's going to play hard-nosed defense and get rebounds. Who's the next guy that can come up and score possibly? It's got to be Tobias Harris, and he's been a bum. And Tobias, Tobias Harris is uh, – I mean, his whole career has been – It's mid. Mid. So, uh, without Embiid, they're losing this series. And even if they go down – say they go down th- uh, three games and Embiid comes back for game four, do you expect him to win four straight games? Nope. Ain't happening. No. Nah, I just – On in the series. It's unfortunate because the reality is Embiid is, you know, he's he's the possible MVP for a reason. Yeah. He creates space on the floor for all of their shooters who need open shots if they're going to be effective. He uh, he plays perfectly off the ball with Harden. All that's gone now. You on top of the defense that he brings, on top of the rebounding that he brings, on top of the ability to change shots, all that shit, it's all gone now. And so as you mentioned, you're relying on Harden, and we all know Harden can be fat sometimes, and it just looks like fat, disinterested, fucking Houston Rockets, Harden that just couldn't get it done when they needed him to. And it's unfortunate, but I, I I think we might be seeing a gentleman sweep if Embiid comes back. Again, I don't know why. You risk the scenario of him being injured going into next year because this is the playoffs and you're not going to get some fucking gentleman's handshake from anybody on that Miami bench. Those motherfuckers were trying to fight each other a month ago. You think <laughs> you're going to get them to go easy on you here when they're a game away from making the Eastern Finals? Yeah, that's um, I, I believe the Heat are going to advance here. It may be five, but it fit, the sweep feels a lot closer. Yeah. I, sweep. <laughs> Other series, though, that we're having issues with, it's weird because I, I was really hoping Luca would show up. And what's happened here with Luca, and it's and, and he's being called out. He's just being absolutely shitty on defense. CP3 is feasting on switches to Luca on defense. And maybe it's because Luca's playing on a bad leg. I don't know, but CP3 is fucking feasting. Jess, do the Mavs have any pulse here? Can they turn this into a gentleman's sweep, or what are we doing here? No, if you were to ask me, like, what team, uh, if if both or one or whatever would be swept, who's the, who's the team? Is it going to be Philly or is it going to be Dallas? In their respective series as it is, I would say Philly. I, I think that Dallas has at least one game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they have one game alive in them where Luke is going to come off. Uh, he's going to come unglued. Well, he's been unglued. He, he scored four, well, he scored forty and forty or thirty eight and, and forty two. So he's he's it, scoring. It's, it's the it's the defense. It's the defense uh, and and the lack of some help. Well, and, and, and okay, so here, here's Luca's problem is he's never been known as a great defender. Mm-hmm. And when you're in Europe, they don't play defense. Yep, agreed. Okay, so let's just – like he, it's not like he can't – Well, in America, they don't play defense either in his defense. But they play enough defense. You now know, we've reached play. playoff defense. Now you, we're playing playoff basketball, this isn't, which involves this actual isn't defense. Game, you know, 42 of the regular season where there's absolutely no defense and teams are – are putting up 135 points a game. This is the this is the playoffs, man. 
you you see the intensity has stepped up. Every team's not being able to score 130 points. Now they're scoring 89 points. Now they're scoring 100 points. Uh, the defense has stepped up. The intensity stepped up. Luke is not a defender, so I don't even feel like I need to defend him as far as all these people coming out of the woodwork saying that Luke is not a top five guy in the NBA. Don't give me that shit. Luke is a top five guy in the NBA. Find a guy who can play defense and offense like uh, a mirror image of themselves. Do you think Damian Lillard plays defense? Fuck no. So don't give me this Luke is not a top five. You're talking about a guy who never had to play defense has never really played defense since he's been in the NBA, yeah. and he's and and as young as fuck still. Like that's the thing too. It's not like he's it's not like he's thirty two and he's been in the league for ten years like Westbrook. And you go, well, that guy just hasn't played defense for ten fucking years. Exactly. And like, and the other thing is, is you have to take into account he's averaging probably close to thirty points a game in the playoffs. He's probably averaging close to ten assists and probably pretty damn close to ten rebounds. I mean. The guy is helping his team in passing and scoring. He's helping his team rebound, which possibly leads to scoring. And he is scoring off the chain. So he's doing his part. No, he is not perfect on defense. Uh, neither is Chris Paul. It's just Chris Paul is having – he's having one of these these years, man. Like, Chris, he's- Yeah. Chris Paul is doing everything Chris Paul, and it's under a microscope. And it's every game he's doing a fucking shenanigan, and I still hate him. Chris Paul in the playoffs has been known as a guy who can't finish. Well, he's tr- out there. Nah, he's finishing like a motherfucker now. He's out there desperately trying to prove to the world that he can finish and win a championship. And I think that he's doing everything in his power, except he's got 28 point a game, Devin Booker. He's got 22 points a game, 10 rebounds, DeAndre uh, uh, Ayton. He's got, this you know, bridge, got, this Bridges kid is also starting to play. Mikael Bridges is he's a guy that can go out there. Um, yeah, the new Kobe Cameron stop. Johnson. Cameron Johnson can go out there and throw 25 yeah. down on you. Yeah, he's maturing. He's, young. he's, he's maturing. Hungry. They are fiery. They score off the wall and they uh, have a great head coach. Monty Williams is uh, we talked about Monty before on the show. And I can't say enough good things about Monty Williams. Uh, he's one of the most fantastic head coaches in the league right now, and he's got this team running on all cylinders. And here's the thing. We talk about styles make fights in the fight game. Well, in sports, that generally you know, correlates uh, across the board. Uh, the Mavericks don't play defense at all, and the Suns play a little bit of defense. Remember, they got J- uh, JaVale McGee. He's out there trying to yeah. you know, stop, stop plays and stuff. Yeah, they got bodies. No, they got bodies. They have guys that can come play. Jay Crowder has been known in the past as a, as a, a good defender. It's a stopper. They got guys there that can give you six fouls. They got guys that can that can throw bodies at you. They got some defenders. Styles makes this this fight, quote unquote, fight this game, this matchup, this series. Uh, again, Dallas doesn't play defense, and Phoenix can put up 140 points. When that kind of style happens, when that that matchup happens, this is what happens. I do believe that Mark Cuban uh, and and uh, the the rest of the ownership, all the way down to the sixth man of the Dallas Mavericks, they have enough like gumph to get one game down. I'm not looking for more than one game. I think they win one game. I don't know what that game will be. Will it be this next game? Uh, probably. I'm guessing it'll be game four. Uh, they'll probably backs, be backs against the wall game. Back back against the wall, they'll they'll go ahead and snag a game. 
And Luca is a he's a competitor, man. Let's not forget that either. He doesn't want to lose, and he's the kind of guy that can go and and just he can do Luca things that no other person on this, on this planet can do. So I'm gonna give Dallas at least one game. But other than that, Phoenix is just too overmatched, yeah. or they're they they've overmatched Dallas by a lot. And last last night last night felt like the game. Until that, whatever it was, last seven minutes of the fourth quarter, where the Suns just fucking throttled them. They just they just put their foot on the gas, and they just fucking snapped their neck. Um, I'm a big believer in, and I'll talk about this with Golden State in a moment. In the playoffs, you just can't let games get away, especially if you're outmatched. And fucking the Mavs are outmatched. Last night they let that game get away from them. I don't. I. I feel like they're gonna get swept. I feel like the, I feel like the one, two, three Cancun is a lot closer than we want it to be. I, I feel like the, not only that, I think the Suns are looking at the matchups here and they're going, we'd like to get some rest here. We'd like to get a fucking break with one of these guys. You know, if if the if the if the Warriors end up going six or seven games. That's an extra six or seven days that we're not playing, that we're just chilling, and CP3 is recuperating. Um, I, I think they're going to push hard for that for that sweep. And at the end of the day, if the Mavs ain't hitting 20, 25 threes, and if Dinwiddie isn't playing and getting great rebounds, and Brunson goes cold, man, the Suns, they just run, man. They got such a fucking well-oiled team. From top to bottom, we just named them. On any given night, you see a guy going for 20-25. On any given night, you see a guy fucking shooting 10 for 14. And to your credit, you know me, I'll shit on him whenever I can. <laughs> but CB3 has been playing lights out, man. He really has. If they lose a series, I don't think it's going to be because CP3 played bad. I just think it's because that other team played well. Um, he's playing his fucking ass off. And the other night, the game, we didn't miss a shot on top of last night's game. 14 to 14, man. That's nuts. And then you put last night's game where he just went full, put Luca on me, and I'm going to cook him. I'm going to show this kid what a veteran point guard like myself, who's smaller and has got more speed, even at this age, can do. I mean, that shit's impressive. That shit's impressive. It's hard to knock the fucking dude when he does that. I'll tell you that much. And let's not forget this either. Dallas, they're they're basically their backup guy. Their number two guy is Jalen Brunson. Uh, or Dimwitty. Or Dimwitty. It's one of those two. But here's my 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 point is if your backup guy, if your number two guy, your number three guy is Spencer Dimwitty or Jalen Brunson, when the Suns have CP3 or Booker or Aiton or Bridges or blah, 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 yeah. man, you're in some really – Big fucking trouble. So that's why the thought process is we're just going to keep shooting threes and the night we hit, we'll win. And we got to, you know, it, it becomes a mathematics fucking Cuban thing where Cuban just goes, I'm just going to use next level analytics. And if we hit 40 fucking threes, then we win. We're in this game. And if we don't hit 40 fucking threes, well, then we're going to lose by 25. But but they, they would rather have a chance to win and play the, the, the analytics than try and play just straight up basketball and the go against the analytics. And then they have a night like last night where they get boat housed at the end. Um, let's touch on these last two series here. I know I keep saying quickly and then we spend 10 minutes on it. <laughs> um, let's start Warriors Memphis. 
this is really all that we thought it would be. Both games have been close. Both games came down to a basket here. I don't want to talk a lot about the Draymond stuff because clearly it's bullshit. You're going to get favoritism on my end. I don't think he should have been tossed. Others would argue the opposite. I think the uh, Dylan Brooks thing, I think Brooks needs to be suspended the duration of the series. It should be an eye for eye thing. If Gary Payton can't play for the rest of the series, then Brooks shouldn't be able to either because he clearly had intention there to foul that guy with, with injury. And, you know, he, he planned on putting a body on him. He put a body on him. It should be an eye for an eye. I'm not wavering here. As a matter of fact, I'm fucking doubling down. I still feel like the Warriors should win this in six. They let that game two get away from them. Jaw is just so fucking incredible. But it's not just that he's incredible, Jess. The Warriors played lax defense on the three-point line game, too. They said, man, if you're going to beat us, you're going to beat us by shooting threes. And he said, okay, because I can do that. Um, There were incredible, ugly stretches in game two where I just kept waiting for the Warriors to turn it on, and they just couldn't hit a shot. The basket, they they just couldn't put the fucking ball in the basket, and that's what it came down to. Um, Jess, give me some thoughts on the series so far. No, I, I think that the Steve Kerr's uh, idea of making the Grizzlies shoot from uh, deep to beat them is a smart thing because they don't really have a great three-point shooting squad. I think that leaving them, you know, I mean, giving them space. Memphis don't and, like getting beat up inside, and I know Jaws been taking, been getting beat up, but they don't. Those other guys, they don't like, they don't like going to the basket and taking them hard fouls from Joku and fucking Draymond and uh, fucking Balinkia or whoever the fuck they're gonna throw in there to throw a body at you. Yeah, and so I, again, I think Steve Kerr's just playing his cards right. It just happened to to not go his way in game two. Uh, I think both game, both games being as close as they were shows that each team uh, is uh, balancing each other out, so to speak. Um, Memphis uh, more so with the defense and the in the attacking style of offense. Uh, obviously, Golden State has the uh, finesse. You know, they're the finesse team. The the smarter passes, the, uh, the three-point shots. Um, they, they're not really an in-the-paint type of team, but they can. They have players that are willing to be, but generally – you know, they're shooters. They have a lot of shooters on that team. Uh, I think that right now it's a balancing act. They're crossing each other out. That's how we're at a game of peace. When one team is not performing well at what they do best, then the other team wins. And Golden State wasn't hitting shots there in the in the last uh, second half of the game. Uh, of game two, Memphis came back. They scored enough. Ja put up like 40 and some odd points. Yep. And, uh, and then they win the game. But here's the thing. Ja's not going to put up 40 points every game. And you need to have that other guy, again, like we were talking about with Dallas and Luka, you got to have another guy step up. So it's got to uh, be Bain or it's got to be Brooks? Bain has been good at times. Brooks oh, has been good a few times here or there. Uh, they have, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Jackson, JJ. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he can play it, uh, get from game to game here and there. He can have a game that, that he likes. These, guy, these guys are getting beat up at the basket by Draymond, and they don't like it. And they're, and they're, and fucking, they're not playing the same way they were last series. Yeah. And, and the, uh, again, I think that one thing that Golden State has, and this is something that in the past usually it's just been Draymond, but they have a few players on that squad now mm-hmm. uh, in Dub Nation. Uh, that are their enforcers. 
they have some enforcers on that team that aren't afraid to take hard fouls or give out hard fouls or or like really press the opponent. Uh, it's not just Draymond now. They got a couple guys on that team that, that don't mind getting physical. And Memphis, we're seeing a switch where Memphis, we're so used to seeing them in the past be such a physical uh, team. Now, I, I hate to use the word soft, but it's true, in my opinion. They're a little bit softer. They're a little bit more, you know, uh, on the outside looking to take those uh, open shots, try to get to the basket. But there's when there's fouls and stuff, you see Ja typically he'll take a hard foul. And then the next drive, mm-hmm. instead of driving straight through, he'll, he'll take that open three. He'll shot. take that open three. Or he'll shoot. He'll shoot. Uh, he'll stop and shoot. So uh, but I agree with you. I think uh, Golden State in six. Uh, I think Memphis is good enough to hold this series off to, for six games, but Golden State, uh, they'll they'll eventually they'll overpower and overmatch, especially with the three point shooting. Yeah, the vet the veteran stuff too is ultimately what's going to get him here. Uh, uh, one or two more things, and then we'll move to the to the Boston, um, the Bucks. But so first of all, John Moran is fucking unbelievable, and Clay is getting cooked right now. And the next level nerds, the metrics nerds, are going. And maybe Clay's done. Maybe Clay's finished. Maybe Clay isn't the elite defender anymore. And I'm okay with that criticism. I think that's constructive just when you're looking at the metrics. But when Jaw has to do three crossovers, a Euro step, a double step, a fucking spin a Rooney, a Rigatoni, the guy's in the air, fucking shifting the ball, loop the loop, scoop, bounce off, and the basket goes in. That's fucking impossible to stop. The only person stopping that's God. Like, no one's stopping that shit. I'm telling you, I watch Ja at the basket, and he does shit Allen Iverson did. It's unfucking believable what he can do. Allen did, though. It's fine. I'm telling you, you, (laughs) this guy is so fucking talented, and he keeps doing it and doing it and doing it at the basket. And I'm like, this fucking guy is unbelievable. Right hand, left hand. He's got so many fucking moves in that book and he's breaking them all out on clay, but they're going to keep getting physical. They're going to keep fucking get beating them up in the paint. And if Memphis don't adjust, it may not be six games. It might be five. They got to adjust. Uh, Jess, give me some thoughts here on Boston bucks. We're hearing that we might be getting Middleton back. I felt like a game, a two different games. Game one was the Giannis FU. I'm still the best player on the planet. Y'all been talking about Tatum for way too long. Watch this. Uh, and game two was the opposite. It was when Jalen Brown cooks, they are really difficult to stop. Uh, whoever Williams is, is, is it Avery Williams? They're big. They Brett, got a big guy. Yeah, and Williams big. over yeah. there in Boston. Came for, for me, I don't even know who this kid is. Obviously, I don't even know his fucking first name. But he came out of nowhere. He's hitting seven three-pointers in a game. He's just going off. You got Jason Tatum over there hitting threes. Uh, they, they shot 45, almost 46% from fucking three-point land. When you shoot 45% from three-point land and you make 20 fucking three-point shots in the game, you're winning that fucking game. I don't and care. 60 points. 60 points off of threes. You're going to be – that's going to be tough. So, and, and, to, and to even top that, Al Horford is out there playing like like a rookie, man. He's out there playing. He's playing so hard out there. He's he gives them just enough minutes, and the chemistry, as we talk about, that was the chemistry game. Yes, so uh, agreed with you. Uh, the first, Game one was Jonas versus the world. Game two was 
Boston's three-point shooting versus Milwaukee. Uh, Milwaukee, they, they did everything they could. I mean, I'm telling you, man, like, they, they were like, hey, they're hitting all these threes. We're going to attack the basket. Well, mathematical problem, guys. Three points is more than two. So you keep hitting more threes. You can score all the twos you want, but you're not with <laughs> And and uh, they, Milwaukee has the physical presence. They got that domination there in the middle. The paint, Jonas is practically unstoppable. Uh, but then if uh, Boston can keep up with the three-point shooting, man, this is, I think that this is a seven-game series. Uh, I, I would consider it a toss-up, but because I've been claiming Milwaukee's going to defend uh, the championship this year, I, I think that Milwaukee and Jonas will, will step out and move on to the next next round where they'll probably be facing the Miami Heat. Yeah, I I – Man, I really want to. I I am in such a pick 'em on this, and I have wavered on it a handful of times. But gun to my head right now, I'm in agreement with you because I think we're going to see more of those Giannis dominant games than we are Jalen Brown shows up and and has an incredible performance at home type of game. I I just I just don't trust Jalen Brown. Bottom line, I know I trust Tatum. Said it every time we talk about him, guys. A fucking robot clone, Gucci clone, a Kobe Bryant, closest guy in the league to it. Move for move, dribble for dribble. Fucking, I'm telling you, step for step. But when Brown doesn't show up, man, they are bowling shoe ugly. And you can't always depend on uh, that guy, that that guy playing at home like Williams. It's going to get hot because he's used to shooting at home. Um, I'm leaning towards the Bucks, but it's it's like we talked about earlier that Noguera Shogun score. It's like fucking 51 49 percent right now. I will say this: I think Milwaukee Boston is going to end up being the most fun series of the second round. That's that's interesting because I think the opposite, and I and I'm biting nails when I watch it, but I think it's Warriors Memphis just because it's interesting to me watching Memphis try to figure out if they're mature enough for the for this level of playoff basketball versus the Warriors who really have to rely on young guys now. Because as we talked about the last time we did this show, they have to have a GP3 guy who's now gone. They have to have that guy that's an Iggy type of guy. And whether it's going to be Kaminga or whether it's, you know, I don't think it's going to be Jordan Poole because Jordan Poole don't play a lot of defense. He risk it or biscuit. He's either going to get a steal or he's going to get burned. They've got to have, it might be Wiggins. They got to have somebody fucking step it up here. Um, Jess, I want to give you a window to do some football. Do you want to do any football or do we just? Folks, uh, it's been a great show. Uh, we'll talk more football later on down the road. Obviously, we're going to be in a kind of an NFL lull right now. But I guarantee you the MMA world stays hot. And the NBA playoffs stay hot for quite some time. So we got a lot of content coming your way. Uh, please follow us on Twitter. It's the only social media that we have. Follow my man Jay over here at Valdez spelled backwards, 559. You can follow me at JTT81. And please follow the pod at Team Toss 21. That's it for us, folks. We're out. We'll be back next week. Stay safe.